world of Holi, Reb Brown, and so many heroes named Steve. 80s Action Movies on the Cheap is filled with insightful reviews about the films made during the decade that gave us big hair, shoulder pads, and yuppies. This book is an excellent guide through the action movies that didn't quite make blockbuster status, or in some cases, any status at all. Written with wit, good humor, a definite fondness, and minimal spoilers, this book is a must-have for film lovers. 80s Action Movies on the Cheap by Daniel R. Budnick is available now at Amazon and McFarland Books. Hey everyone, it's Dan. Welcome to episode 100 of Eventually Super Train. Yeah! Feels good. You know, 100 episodes. People said we wouldn't we wouldn't make it to 10 or 20 or 30 or 40, and then he kept saying it over and over again until it became annoying, and then I asked him to stop. But we are at 100. I know when we get to 101, the numbers won't mean anything again, but it's nice um, to have an episode where, uh, you know, you can, uh, well, we're not really going to celebrate anything. We're just going to say it's episode 100. That's pretty cool, right? I mean, that's some sort of milestone, some sort of landmark. And uh, with this, with this uh, episode, we do have a brand new old show kicking in. We do have it's our last show of 2020. I'm hoping that when 101 uh, appears in 2021, everything will be much more joyous. Who knows? Uh, but anyways, let me um, let me just tell you. This, yeah, this is eventually Super Train Short Lived TV Show podcast. Uh, we cover short lived TV shows that never got enough love. Eventually, we will cover Super Train. We go three shows at a time, one episode at a time. And in this episode, we begin with the great Kristen Hawes, aka Kiki Wrights, and myself discussing episode eleven of Auto Man. Then I will be discussing episode six of On the Air. And then yes, he's back. Mitchell Hadley, you may have heard on the standalone uh, probe episode uh, a week or so before this, uh, we we discussed that 1972 TV movie, and this one we are discussing episode one of Search in September of 72, correct? Yes, Leslie Stevens show, uh, it's lots of fun, we will begin... Um, we begin to see that brand new old show here, and that will that show will lead us be our sort of anchor show throughout uh, 2021. So uh, again, thank you everyone for uh, listening. If you've listened to every single episode, you are the best. If you don't listen to a few here and there, you're pretty great too. You're not the best, but you're pretty great. And if you listen to one episode, you hated it and thought you'd come back for 100, and are absolutely hating it right now. Hit the skids. Hit the skids. I love you, but hit the skids. Uh, so this is uh, episode 100 of Venture Super Train. Everyone, let us leap right in to some Auto Man discussion, shall we? Auto Man, Episode 11, Zippers, directed by Alan Crossland, written by David Garber, Bruce Kellish, Kellish, March 26, 1984. This one, I won't go too crazy, but it begins with a, uh, you see, a, a guy steals something or other and stashes it in a piece of jewelry and hides it in a closet in his house. Unfortunately, someone breaks into that closet and steals it. Then we go to a strip club. 
and it's a place called Zippers, and it's very popular, and there's lots of stuff going on. Uh, we see the gang over at the police station, and uh, we learn that there have been a bunch of robberies in um, big uh, houses in the neighborhood uh, lately. Several of them tie, in one way or another, back to Zippers, the strip club. Wally and uh, Automan uh, go to investigate that. Yes, as you might imagine, Walter becomes absolutely shocked and stunned when Automan suddenly begins doing his own male striptease uh, bit. And of course, Roxanne is, is well known at the club, not for being a police officer there, but because she likes seeing male strippers. Why not? They're fun. Why not? So uh, anyway, as they're investigating that, discovering that there may be something going on there with the cars being parked there and sort of the people who work there keeping an eye on when houses might be empty in the area, you learn a bit, and I won't go too in-depth into it right here, that the thing that was in the jewelry was some sort of microchip. It had something to do with the witness protection program, and it was something that the guy who had it stolen was going to sell to a bunch of mob people who are now not very happy that it was stolen. So they're all looking for this jewelry, while Walter and, and Automan and the gang are stripping, no, uh, just Automan is, and looking for the, um, the burglars. And there could be one and the same, and there could be craziness going on, and there could be a male strippers yeah Kristen's on the other side of of all my uh, yatter here so um yeah that's that's the basic set for zippers let me give you a blast and then we're gonna chat about it here you go when i told my wife that i was about to watch an automan episode that involved automan working at a strip club and uh, the name of the strip club and the name of the episode was Zippers, she laughed out loud and said, that's ridiculous. And I think I agree with her on that. It is ridiculous. It's ridiculously wonderful. No, that's it's wonderful and ridiculous at the same time. Because this is the episode that you were hoping for, which is Auto Man is a Male Stripper episode. And I have a very good friend who, since we started, has said about a hundred times that this is her favorite episode of this show. And I've got it right here. Kristen Hawes, a.k.a. Kiki, writes, How you doing, Kristen? I'm being misquoted, Dan. I never said that this was the, my favorite episode of this show, and I definitely didn't say it a hundred times. But how are huh. you, Dan? I'm doing, I'm doing okay. What did you, what did you, um, I, I was going to say, what did you, what did you think of this episode? Well, it's not my favorite, but I really okay. did enjoy oh, oh, it. Oh, I, I meant, I, I actually, forgive me, I actually meant this, this, the Adventure Super Train episode. What did you, what did you think of it, you know? Any thoughts? Oh, oh, well, I love every episode of Eventually Super Train. You know that. Oh, sure, yeah. I figure, you know, you, you know, we've been around for a while, you know, and um, I'll just, I'll, I'll just, uh, tell me what you thought of Zippers. Well, like I said, I really enjoyed this episode. Um, I thought it was a, a fun episode. It was, the last couple have been kind of lackluster and a bit messy, but um, Zippers, I think, is really good. It's it's fun. You have a stripper whose gimmick is a cat burglar who then moonlights as a cat burglar, which I literally wrote in my notes, LOL. And uh, <laughs> yes. more ladies. Yes. <laughs> and he ends up stealing a ring that has a microchip with the names of people in witness protection in it. Mm-hmm. 
And I like that idea of here is this guy who's just going out stealing stuff and he inadvertently steals something really super important. Yes. Yes. I love, I like that idea too. So then we have, you know, Walter and Auto Man obviously trying to solve this crime and Auto Man ends up working as a male stripper, which you think wouldn't work because he technically does not have skin. Mm-hmm. But as we've seen in the prior episode, he can get a Merkin done from Cursor. Yes, yes. But in this episode, he actually uses his, you know, regular electronic body uh, to his advantage by doing a gimmick. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really clever. So, I mean, there's just so much about this episode I really like. We get back to the, the bromance between uh, Walter and, and Auto Man and mm-hmm. um, you know it, I think it, the the bad guys are fun in it so I yeah this, I really do like this episode what do you think of it? Well I would say I there are probably there are probably like 99 plus 1 things that I really uh, like about it um, and, and a few things a few things I don't I do I do like the the um, uh, auto man doing his strip strip routine um, and they do they you get to see the whole thing it goes on for like four or five minutes um, now they intercut with like um, uh, Walter and Roxanne off, sort of off stage like we gotta get them off of there but the gals are going crazy for him and I like uh, it's it, it's funny like like you said there's something weird about like when when the guy dressed as Robin Hood is out there, he has his top off and he looks good, and but he's still got his pants on and he's dancing around. The ladies are grabbing his chest and he's leading in like, yeah, ladies, drink me in. And but but there, there's something that I, I like the fact that the ladies are open to a guy who, when he takes off all his clothes, is this gigantic glowing blue neon-y Tron thing. It's it's almost like um. What it reminded me of, sort of, was um, um, uh, Flashdance. I haven't not seen Flashdance in ages. But what I remember of, of a Flashdance is it's about a woman who's a welder. I believe she's at a factory. And there are a lot of guys who, to blow off steam at the end of the week, they go to the local strip club. And she is at the local strip club. But instead of doing straight-up routines, she does these sort of modern dance things which the rowdy guys who work in the factory all day are perfectly fine with. None of them are like, can we just see some boobs or something? You know, they're like, oh, you're going to, you're doing the thing with the water. And yeah, you're a maniac. Oh, and the, the guys really, and this is kind of like what that is to me. Like the ladies really get into the guys coming in and taking it off. But when a guy comes in who's glowing and everything like that, they're open to that too. It's not just about like, I want to see some behind i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go blue in this very special episode of eventually super train but you know what i mean um you know what i'm you, you know what i mean Kristen. um you know and uh you know you, you're not gonna you know they want to see some behind they you know they want their cat burglar to you know come out and wave his tail around i'm sorry um but uh but i like the fact that they're open to uh auto man just simply I mean, I, did you? Would you describe his routine as erotic? And forgive me, folks. Should I have put a over eighteen warning on that that question? Well, I'm over eighteen, so. Oh, thank goodness, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, um, I don't ask, folks. I don't. Would I describe his dance as erotic? That was definitely not one of the words that came into my head when I was watching that. 
Um, Energetic? I was, I was, I was not aroused at all. <laughs> it was, That's one of the. She showed me her notes. There was no. She did not mention it. Nothing. There was. There was nothing. I was actually more with Walter because Roxanne seemed. Because Roxanne apparently was has frequented this club yes. according to the bouncer, <laughs> and she seemed to be pretty impressed with. Auto man's dancing, but Walter seemed to be suffering from secondhand embarrassment, and I was much more with Walter on this one. It was okay. there was it was very white. <laughs> yes, yes, um, there, yeah. He, I mean, he's he's given it his all out there, and, and obviously, um, he is a computer construct trying to dance like a regular guy so so we give him that but i i think that the like i said the interesting thing with the scene is that it's like you see his entire dance like he's out there for like four minutes or so doing his entire thing and um i i I, i'm kind of like the ladies loved it and i'm not going to argue with the ladies um but yeah i kind of had a bit of walter's thing where he's like maybe Maybe let's come on back here, reeling on in. But he did make like three hundred bucks or something, didn't he? Didn't he say that? I think in tips. Yeah, he did. He made. Yeah, yeah, he made quite a few tips because he tried to give it to to Walter, and Walter's to Walter, like, yeah. I don't want your money. <laughs> yeah, but he, he, he. Where did they put the money? Where did they put the the dollars and everything? I have no idea where Automan put his dollars. Okay, yeah, maybe that's why. I'm but not I sure guess I it's want to know. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because that one yeah. lady, that one older lady too, tried to give him a check. She checked. I did like her. I did like her. She, she was, you know, she's an older lady. Older ladies like nude guys too. Hello, I feel like that's a um, like an acronym, like O L L N G T. Older ladies like nude guys too. You know, I'm gonna get a little <laughs> necklace. What does that mean? Don't ask. You know what that means. You know what that means. Shut up. You know what that means. I think I think the the thing I do like about the episode is this one, unlike the past couple episodes, it the the mix of the um the the petty thieves well not really petty thieves, they're breaking into mansions and stealing stuff, but sort of like the amateur thieves mixed with the mobsters is a nice um I think works well in the episode and there's there's a really i really do like the moment i mean i wasn't you know i didn't i didn't jump up and cheer but i like the moment where where otto and and walter are in the one of the thieves apartments and like the gangsters come in are like come with us steve thinking he i forget what the guy's name is you know thinking he's the, the 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 thief but he's not. He just happens to be in the apartment, and I, I, I the mistaken. I kind of like that mistaken identity thing, and I don't know. It's um, it's. I think the the episode just. I it it. I think it's better written definitely than the previous two, and um. Although I do love Kim Manners directing, I think this one. I think like you mentioned in the last one, there's something jarring when it cuts from. Um, Auto Man doing wacky stuff on that goofy set, and like the commissioner or the chief and and Jack getting like shot at and getting in fistfights, you know, over over heroin. There's something about that that they they don't get those they they never mesh properly. Here, it all kind of it kind of works. Um, I mean, this is this isn't the this isn't the best episode of the show. I mean, I still stand by that one with the evil computer guy. 
who should come back. He should be the Lex Luthor of this series. Um, but I think this is overall, this is, this to me is better than the last two. And, um, I think it's a good example of, uh, I think it's a good Auto Man episode. Um, great, great, I don't know, but, um, uh, good. Um, what else, what else do you have on this one? Um, well, I like that, so, cause Jack ends up getting pulled away to work on some kind of a hostage situation so Walter has to do this on his own like the captain's really annoyed like you have an update on a burglary and we have this horrible thing happening oh, just yes, get out yes. of my office and go you know work on it and he does he ends up catching the the thieves through probably the greatest car chase we've seen to this point in this show because yes. um, it's the valet and in the bur- and the cat burglar stripper in a, yeah. in a car and auto man isn't just chasing them he's like corralling them because he's got the yeah. auto car and poor walter's being thrown all over the car which we <laughs> haven't seen that for a few episodes so yes he does some good ones in this he yeah des Arnaz jr does some really good ones in this he's really got sort of like the general like inertia and stuff he pauses for just the right time and then goes back yeah so we have the wonderful car chase, which he ends up corralling them with the help of Cursor into the police station parking lot. Yes. Not until yes. they catch the thieves. And of course, so Walter gets a, a bit of kudos from the captain, which I absolutely love because he's like, I suppose you think sweet. you yeah. deserve some yeah. congratulations. And he's like, he just kind of shrugs and he's like, well, I do too. And I'm like, aww. We've yeah. come so far with the captain. He's not shouty <laughs> as much. And, and he actually, you know, acknowledges Walter does good work Mm -hmm. but then that's the twist is that all that stuff's recovered the ring is not part of it and that guy has already told the john vernon that Mm -hmm. you know oh they caught the thieves i'm gonna go get the ring i'll see you in an hour and then he has to go and tell john vernon um well they didn't recover the ring yeah but i know who the thieves are Mm -hmm. and john vernon's like you know i just had enough of this this guy's gonna end up in his pool (laughs) which i can relate yeah (laughs) <laughs> that'll happen yeah they that car chase you're, you're right that is that is my favorite car chase so far because it starts off looking like it's going to be a regular one but then it's um then it becomes like um oh we lost him uh auto you went the wrong way no 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 you know have you ever seen a sheep dog you know corralling in the sheep and then and then you're like and then the moment he said that i thought is he gonna do what i think he's gonna do like just keep and he does and suddenly they're in the police station and they he he corrals them so quickly into the police station that they can't slow down the car uh, fast enough and they end up hitting a cop car um and it's um it's a re- it's a really clever scene i actually thought they could have made a little more of it um but uh but i i think as it stands it's, it's that, that's that, that was, it's a very clever scene let's see i'm i'm going to scan my notes actually no i have almost like a 100 notes here you wouldn't think you wouldn't think I'd have that many notes, <laughs> but I just have like I would bet there's close to a hundred here. <laughs> How many do you have? Do you have one hundred? Um, no, I don't have that many. I didn't have to write down that many notes. Okay, well let's talk about who do you want to talk? About? <laughs> what do you want to talk about? How you doing? Have you you know I've never been to a um, uh, a strip club in my life. I have never been to a male strip club. Okay. But um, my my roommate did go to one once. It was like the 
Thunder Down Under type shows that, you know, travel around mm-hmm. like Chippendale, stuff like that. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. She said she did go to one of those and she said that the guys were like really, really overly oiled to the point that one guy um, fell off of his pole. He slipped because oh, he was no. too greasy. She's like, you didn't oh. get him hurt. She goes, but I couldn't take it seriously after that. She goes, it is the most unerotic thing ever. So they oh. were definitely on par with that, except I thought I did think Robin Hood was a bit sexy, but you know. Sure, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, you like you and you. You've always told me you like you like that kind of mustache on a guy, or yeah. anyone. In fact, you'll take anyone with and, a mustache. Yeah. Like well, yeah, I I enjoy creative facial hair. Unfortunately, his <laughs> yes. was, his seemed to be glued on as he's talking to Autumn. He was yeah, like, yeah. he was gluing on his facial hair. But you know, yeah. it still counts. It still counts. Yes. Um. But yeah, yeah, I don't uh, think you know. Actually, the sexiest part of this episode, in my opinion, and if you're under eighteen, maybe you shouldn't you shouldn't be listening. No, you'll be fine. <laughs> we rarely work blue here, folks. Yeah, rarely. Um, is that okay? So they figure out that it's um. I think they figure out it's the mic that they're that they're looking for this ring and this microchip or something. Yes. So they go to the building where it's in, and they make well. Automan makes nice oh, with yes. the, uh, the little robot. Walter insults him, and I'm like, gosh, why must you be a rude ass? I but, wrote that that's in my note here. Wall, Wally exclamation point. I don't call him Wally unless I'm pissed at him. Mine really, mine says rude, Walter. Yes. Like yes. you would know. That was, yeah. Was that's so a really sweet scene with that little robot because the little robot helps them out, saves their butt later on. Yes. And it's like, see, Walter, this is why you're nice. Robots yes. do have feelings. But they get into this big supercomputer, which, of course, so it's a supercomputer back in 1984. So it's like this huge friggin' terminal in the middle of the yes. room. Yes. And Auto Man's like, oh, I'll break into this. Well, it's a computer called Delilah, and she is sassy. <laughs> yes. And it, they have, Delilah and Auto Man have back and forth until Auto Man's like, finally, like, I'm going to have to go into this. And he, like, enters into the computer, and yes. alarm starts going off and stuff. And I'm like, this is honestly the most erotic part of this whole entire episode. It, it really has is, and absolutely then, nothing to do with the dancing. Everything to do with this. And it's it, and and Auto Man is so spent when he steps out of Delilah, as it were. Yeah. And he's just exhausted. I mean, when he he he's he's one hundred percent. He's got all his faculties about him. He steps inside Delilah. When he steps out, he's like, Oh, Walter, I need a. <laughs> I need a drink. No, he didn't say it like I need a break. And he can't. Walter can't actually merge with him because he doesn't have the the strength at that time. Yeah, because he says Delilah lived up to her name and sapped all his oh. strength. Oh boy! Yes. <laughs> See? Oh boy! Oh boy! And it's yeah, it's a yeah. That that's a really great scene. Yeah, if you, yeah, imagine Delilah. Delilah is almost almost looks like um. A, a variation of like the TARDIS console from Doctor Who. There are like like six. It's a circular thing, and there are like six stations with like a keyboard in front of it. And he keeps going from station to station, trying like passwords and such. And Delilah just keeps coming in, going like, "Oh, that's not going to work, Auto Man. Try something else." Oh, did you think you could get me with that? And he's like, mm, "I'm going to figure you out, Delilah." Yeah, and it's 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 good, it's good it's actually good stuff. It's actually I hadn't thought of that as being the most erotic scene in the episode, but it is. It actually is, and and it's perfect too, because it's Auto Man, our superhero, versus this 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 fem woman who's a super supercomputer, 
and it's it's and and there's kind of like a tweaky kind of goofy r2d2 kind of robot wandering around too it's actually quite a lovely scene so what else do you have on this one i'm uh i, I actually just <coughs> pardon me i have the episode playing here and um uh auto man just did his big dance in front of the ladies it's um I would kind of like to see the scene without the effect on it to see um, him like spinning around like what he was wearing and everything. I mean, he must have been wearing whatever he has to wear in order to get the reflection to go. But there are bits where he's like leaping onto the stage. He hits the ground. He's spinning around. His legs are up in the air. I'm sure Glenn A. Larson, who I know was a very devout Mormon, I believe. I forget what his um, I forget what his religion was. Oh well, Battlestar Galactica. Yes, Battlestar Galactica would show. Battlestar Galactica would show us what that that his religion was. I'm sure he probably wandered in one day and was like, "I'm just I'm just gonna you know I was gonna check on Manimal Masquerade in that other show I'm doing right now, which I forget the name of. Um, But I'm going to I'm going to check in what Auto Man is doing today. Hey everyone, what's happening over? Oh, in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. uh, hail Mary, full of grace. I'm gonna go over here. You guys keep doing what you're doing with Auto Man, okay? And I'm I'm trusting you that the overseas market is gonna love this because I don't know what the hell you're doing, okay? And he's gone. He's like, and I'm 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 now going to go back to my office because I've got an idea about David Hasselhoff in a talking car. Let me get this. Let me let me have this one. Oh, it's like my mother, the car. No, it's not like my mother, the car. No, it's not. David Hasselhoff's mother-in-law didn't die and is now in a car. Although that's not a bad idea. Did that ever happen in Knight Rider? I'm sorry. I went off on a tangent there. Um, and that's one of the things with this show. If you've ever heard this show, we've been, this show's been around for a while now. I mean, geez, there, there are a hundred different reasons to love the show, right? I mean, am I right? I think. Oh, I think there are more than a hundred different reasons oh, to love the show. Oh. Oh, th- thank you so much. But I was just saying, yeah, like a hundred is, um, is, um, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. There's a hundred. I don't know. I don't know. So, what do you think of what do you think of microchips in the mid '80s as a plot point? <laughs> I was thinking of the Family Ties going to Paris. Isn't that like a micro? Or is a microfilm in that? Oh, I have no idea. I don't remember. Oh jeez, I think it's microfilm in that. I don't know. I do. There's there's some. I I I do love the concept. Once you learn that the cat burglar was not going after the ring with the microchip on it, I think it becomes much more entertaining because there's some. When you first watch it, it's like this guy gets this. These guys this ring, and you see he like in this enormous house. He hides it like in like this random. Well, it's probably a master bedroom or something, but the place probably has like seven or eight bedrooms. And he hides it like in like a third drawer, in like the second dresser, in the seventh bedroom of the house, under the third pair of pajamas. And the cat burglar, when he breaks in, seems to go immediately to that space and find the ring. And when I first saw it, I thought, "Ooh, okay, is that like is he having someone steal?" the ring you know the, and pretend like it's a burglary or but then you learn later on not it was just luck it was just pure pure luck it had nothing to do with what the what was inside the ring and i kind of like that i kind of like the um the randomness of that i think that makes it fun but i think however if you're going to work at a male strip joint you um you shouldn't do shit like that 
you should be a nice person. The ladies are coming to have a good time. So that that's just that's just me. So what what else what else do you have on this? Would you have anything else on this one? I'm, I'll I'll do a scan. Oh, oh, I have one small issue with this mm-hmm. episode, and that is for the first time in this series, I was disappointed in Jack because oh after they they catch the burglars, um the guy who stole the, the microchip and put it in the ring. He has a name. I don't know what it is. Um, but uh. he, <laughs> he, um, he <laughs> gets nervous after John Vernon tells him, you know, you've got till 9 o'clock tonight to get that ring back. And so he calls Walter and says, you know, I have information about this, the, the, the burglar mm-hmm. or something like that. And John Vernon changes his mind once he gets in the car and says, nope, drown him. Yes. And so when they go to the house, Walter, I guess, went to the house and found him dead in his pool. And so everybody came over to to investigate. And he is telling Jack, he goes, I think it has something to do with this ring because he called me and then suddenly he's dead. And Jack is, he goes, he just says, I have a hunch. And Jack goes, well, leave the hunches to the, to the homicide department. And I'm just like, yes, Jack, you are, I've been so supportive of Walter throughout this entire series and this one time you choose to be a dick and be like don't worry about it Wait, yeah. I just, yeah. it disappoints me deeply Jack I've come to love you and yeah. this, just, this just hurts me a little I'm just saying yeah because you expect the chief to just be kind of I mean, he's the chief. He's he's sitting at the desk all day. He's dealing with, you know, Walter is just just one of a, a hundred guys or gals even that he's dealing with all day long, and a hundred great people, and and he's he's dealing with them and. And whereas Jack, you know, has the case he's on, and Walter is, you know, the case he's on, which a lot of time seems to uh, intersect with what um, uh, Jack is doing. So, so you expect the chief to be like, "Oh yeah, that's right. I, I said a nice thing to you today, and now I'm being a jerk." Uh, but that's the chief. That's the way chiefs work in shows like this. But yeah, Jack, Jack is kind of like written a little wrong right there, or something. They, they could have, they could have given him a, a different line. I, I feel like. Um, that uh, that wouldn't have had him sound like a jerk, right there. They could have done done something and like, well, you know what, you know, Walter, we've got a, we've got a, we actually have a line we're pursuing, so we're going to do that. You know, if you could, you know, let us do that, we'll we'll get back to you, or um, or you know, just uh, you know, just uh, relax, take 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 the evening off, Walter. You found this, you know, whatever, something like that. But yeah, the way he says it is um, is very chief like. And it does, that's not Jack to me. So yeah, that, no, I agree. I agree with you there. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that one. Uh, let's see what else. I like the old lady. Is one of the notes I have. The old lady who offers the check. Not a, not the best note I've ever written, but um, a note. I've got. It's funny. I've got like I've got like four or five notebooks filled with hundreds of episodes we've discussed on this show, and um, and I imagine. Most of them are dumb notes like that, unfortunately. Uh, and I have another note. Here it is. Here it is. Um, I have a note here. It goes, mm, take it off. <laughs> I think I think I was writing down stuff that the that because you see all the extras moving around and bouncing around. Generally, the the sort of coherent words you hear, like "Oh, take it off." Yeah, let's see that. Let's see that booty. No, they don't say that. You know, but but the stuff they yell is usually stuff that is dubbed in later 
it's not coming from any specific woman in the crowd because they're extras and usually extras can cheer extras can yell like one line in unison but if an extra yells hey take it off then they get they're they're not an extra any longer so so i think i was writing down just uh, get out of my office no that was the chief that wasn't none, none of the gals yelled that um uh yeah but, but i think i was just writing down some of the random things the gals were yelling because i love it because it's like um you know i i'd love to think that someone got paid to um how about they could say take it off i like that let me get that down take it off oh and one there could be a lady going mm, i like that steve did you go to one of these joints yes it, no i did not or maybe i did i don't know um but yeah i don't my notes on this one are my best notes but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean I'm not talking about it with you right now. So what else do you have anything else on this one? I'm gonna do a final scan. Um doing oh. So the one one thing that I did like at the very end, because um Ottoman fades away and leaves um Walter in Gary's apartment. And yes. Gary and they the bad guys confuse Walter for Gary. And then figure out that Walter's not Gary, but Walter claims to have the microchip. So they all end up back at Zippers because Gary hid the ring in a lamp, as you do. It's like in the light. Yes. So like one of the guys has to like manually like pick him up like he's a toddler <laughs> so he can reach in and get this ring. Well, to get away I, from the bad guys. I love that. I love that moment because it's almost like, I can just get a ladder. No, I pick you up, Mongo. Mongo lift. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, this is awkward. This is awkward. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. I honestly was like, I would have rather been roughed up by your goons. <laughs> Please kick me, kick me down. Lift me. Yeah. Like kick me downstairs just once. That's movie. fine. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Just give me, give me one good kick in the pants. And that's fine. I prefer that to that. Please. Yeah. But so to get away from them, Walter and, and, um, Ottoman merge and Ottoman gets the idea to run out on stage where the, yes, yes. the women are so they can't like come and get him. And so for a brief moment, poor Walter is in, experiencing his secondhand embarrassment of dancing firsthand. And yes. Ottoman is trying to coach him through it. And he's like, oh, no, it's, it's quite fun. You know, you'll get into it. And I'm just like, uh, not his sweater vest. No, his sweater vest is not get into this. <laughs> Yes, yes, that's really that's really not well. Not all men are cut out to be male strippers. I mean, that was something I was taught. Geez, I was taught that back at um, St. Margaret Mary's when I was in like fourth grade. You know, when we did our first like career things. You know, and it was like, well, Dan, you're going to be a a writer, an accountant, or stripper, huh? And I was like, well, what do I what do I do? I don't know. You got you got to look into that, you know. And I was going to make a joke about Catholic stuff, but I, I'm going to not do that. But um, but, but no, that, that was that was that. Yeah, it's funny. Like, not everyone's cut out to be a stripper. You got to. I mean, the thing with like Robin Hood is he's great because he's like he loves the ladies grabbing at him, and you know, I'm sure every once in a while that would be great. I would probably get high anxiety doing that, but that's just me. Yeah, it's it's not a career choice for everyone, I don't think. No, no, no. Yeah, so overall, I mean, overall, you're 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 you're, and I, you know, and normally I wouldn't ask for your thoughts again, but as this, you know, is, 
you know what episode you know and it's just this great thing and we had said a hundred things about it you know i thought maybe i just said just give me your final thoughts on the episode i'll give my final thoughts and then we'll just we'll just wrap this this segment of this this very special episode up well you know i i really did enjoy this episode it's a fun it's a fun auto man episode and I like to me. This is kind of like the baseline, the baseline good episode of an Auto Man. Sure. It's mm-hmm. because it's fun. It's fun. There's a fun crime. It's interesting. Um, you have uh, an adequate amount of shenanigans to mm-hmm. balance out the seriousness of whatever's going on. It keeps your interest throughout. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think I, I really, I really do like this this episode. So, what are what are your final thoughts, Dan? I, I think I think it's a charmer. Uh, I, I still stand by the best episode being the one with the Lex Luthor style computer guy who should return because Auto Man needs a a villain who can match his style, whether that be like another crazy compute, like an evil Auto Man, or whether that just be some, whether that is just someone who can control the systems that he is part of um, to debilitate him or stuff like that i i think those to me but but at this time shows i no clue why shows back then like why did the incredible hulk fight lots of monsters in the incredible hulk with um, bill bixby and lou ferrigno why didn't he fight the abomination and all the great right the rhino and meet the leader and all those great hulk villains you know why, why is it always like you know half the episodes you know it's like you know the hulk is either you know fighting a couple truckers or stopping you know um a scandal in midget wrestling you know or something like that you know it's not terribly thrilling for the Hulk to be involved in this one, however, keeps you going because I think the thing with auto man though, is that auto man, since he is like you, you mentioned at one time that it's, he's almost like a child and Walter has to take, treat him like a child since he is constantly learning and constantly the growing. He, to him, what Walter and everyone else needs, which is we have to, you know, um, stop these people from from thieving. We have to get this microchip back. Is important to Auto Man, but what's more important to Auto Man, and I think the last couple episodes lost this a bit. Although when he's playing guitar with Laura Branigan, it's definitely there. But this episode brings back the thing where that the joy of Auto Man is that he can save the day, but because he's learning, he gets distracted very easily. So when he should be trying to find out about the burglar ring, should be trying to get the ring back, trying to get the microchip back, he's more interested in doing a five-minute strip tease. And when he when they go and meet the Delilah computer, you know, he's more interested in like caressing the top of the computer and trying to sort of break in. Then he is, you know, he does he he kind of loses track of everything because he's almost he's almost like like my dog George. I, I, I will get up in the morning and I will feed George and then I will go for my morning walk. Halfway through the morning walk, George, and lately I've been walking in our backyard because, you know, there, you know, there's a virus going around you may have heard about. Um, but I, I'm in the backyard and halfway through the walk, like 40 minutes into the walk, George will come out and he'll have his, is it breakfast time? Look on his face. I'll be like, George, you had breakfast time 40 minutes ago. He doesn't remember. He doesn't care. That's gone. He's he wants more breakfast. He wants a walk. You take him for a walk in the morning. Three hours later, he wants another walk. He's and he's like Auto Man is almost like my dog George. 
because you, you, you know you're like we're gonna feed you now we're gonna walk you now we're gonna feed you again right here but he's like i want to be fed here i want to go here i want to do this i want to do that and your auto man is like auto man we need you to find this and do this okay holy crap i get to strip Wait a minute. Give me five minutes. Yeah. Ba, ba, da, da, da. And that's the joy of Auto Man to me is that Auto, Auto Man is constantly getting distracted from like like even the even the the to me the car chase scene is really smart and I think really nicely done, but is also kind of Auto Man kind of like on the fly thinking like, hey, I bet I can do this, you know, and just doing it and it works. And it's just, it's just there, there's something about the character being this sort of childlike character, but with also these incredible powers, who's constantly losing, losing sight of what's supposed to happen, which I think make for the best episodes. And in some respects, that's why you need a strong villain to keep him on track. But in an episode like this, I think like his over elaborate car chase, which is wonderful, his strip tease sequences, his his spending a lot of time with Delilah when they should be going quickly is what makes the show so much fun. And I'm glad after a couple episodes that were slightly on the dud side, we're back on track. So if that, I'm sorry if that went on too long, but you know, if you've heard me on any of the episodes of the show over the past, how many episodes have we done now? I forget. Um, but we, uh, you know, I go off on tangents. So, so let me, Kristen, if you don't have anything else on this one, um, and obviously the great John Vernon is in this episode, by the way, we all know John Vernon, you know, we we you know his 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 um his awesomeness precedes him. Whether it be Animal House or whether it be the first episode of Sledgehammer, or or the uh, or the great uh, TV movie Escape with Christopher George, which is one of my favorite things ever. Um, he's in this. But Christopher, if you don't have anything else, um, uh, do you have anything else? Um, well, just one little background okay. thing. Yeah. Real quick, um, and that is our two strippers that are not Auto Man. Um, the uh, Gary, the, the the cat burglars, James Morrison, and then Robin Hood is is Don Meralt. This is both listed as their first credit um, on IMDb, so they both got their start uh, on Auto Man, which I thought was really nice, and dancing and stripping on Auto Man. Yes. So that yes. that's I feel is a very important milestone in one's life. <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, so I, I guess where, where can where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me at my blog, kikiwritesabout.com. That is uh, the home of my podcast, Bookum Dano, an old Hawaii Fuego podcast. How many how many episodes have you done of that, by the way? You know, I I think by the time this comes out, it'll be around eighteen or nineteen episodes. Wow, that's fantastic! Yeah. So so like the twenty fifth will be like your first sort of big anniversary, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Oh, that's that. awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's always it's always fun when you get there. Yeah. 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 Um oh, and also if you if you want my thoughts on mail stripping in real time, you can follow me <laughs> on Twitter at Kiki Writes. Oh, oh, Dan, I just remembered yes. one more thing. Yes, yes. Um congratulations on 100 episodes of Eventually Super Train. Hey! <laughs> oh, thank you. So, did I Oh, thank you. You remembered. <laughs> Oh, you know, it just occurred so to me. You're so kind. Uh, she takes a lot of notes, folks. I bet she had. I bet. I bet she had a one page, two pages of notes, and she got to the end, flipped a page, and over the next two pages, it just said one zero zero. 
Something like big that. Big numbers, big numbers. Oh my Something. gosh! Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's um, it's been a heck of a time, and and you know you're you're uh, we're almost done, Auto Man. Now, Auto Man, you're gonna be missed. But we did. We spent. You know, Green Hornet was um, that was like an anchor show in 2017 or whenever it was. We did that. I don't even remember now. But um, yeah. But we had so much fun. To, it's so great having you on. I, I love having you on. And, and thank you so much. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for letting me be part of your 100 episodes because it is so much fun, and I so so enjoy doing this. Yeah. Uh, so I will. I, I, let's wrap this up. 100% rock. Episode 6, written by Robert Engels, directed by Betty Thomas. This, of course, didn't have an airing in the U.S. In this episode, we start off with the arrival of a uh, a giant um, sort of magician's, you know, disappearing person's box. You know what I'm talking about that says the, um, I, forget, I think it's, I believe it's the, um, the, the Great Presidio, the Gypsy Traveler is the name of the trick and the great presidio is a gypsy magician that uh, mr zablotnik um knows and has brought him to the set um there is a strange gypsy looking man there whom um uh blinky immediately uh recognizes as someone special but uh, as they're sitting there setting up the day show and they're waiting for this magician to arrive, um, someone has put in a, a tremendous amount of large pipes in and around the dressing rooms very dangerously. And uh, Mr. McGarnacle goes to talk to a very angry and hairy plumber. What? Well, that all looks a little in the way, doesn't it? You think so? I, I, I'm worried that, that people might hit their heads on all of this. I mean... This is temporary, isn't it? This is not temporary to you? We have, we, these pipes go directly to an area where we have to work. Look, I, I, this is a very old building. I would have preferred to put in a new ceiling. Maybe even gut uh, the entire building. But this is the very best I can do, all right? We have to do hey, a look, show look, look, here. what am I doing here? Huh? Huh? You want more money? I'm playing a very sad song on the world's smallest violin. Come on, little Lonnie. No, I am not the great presidio. You mistake me, you dusty wayfarer. I am a humble servant, Mustafa, but if you follow me to the great one, trick, perhaps you'll perform for you the greatest trick of all time, the great gypsy. People do run into the pipes throughout the episodes, and people do have bandages randomly on their heads. And, of course, you, you hear the um, that one guy whose name I'm always forgetting, he's dressed as a wizard, and, yes, he clonks his head against it real real good uh um mr bud waller comes up and is able to talks to the plumber uh and and um gets the plumber to sort of break down plumber admits he's having trouble at home that's why he's being so mean about his plumbing doesn't actually do anything about the plumbing but he does that and then mr bud waller calls everyone together to introduce the great presidio uh they can't find him they see this old gypsy man who thinks he's an auto mechanic and they believe he's the great presidio but they're not 100 percent sure um 
because although Gypsy Music makes him stop and dance around, he does seem to think that he's an auto mechanic, not the magician everyone wants. So a little bit later, um, Mr. Budwaller calls uh, Lester up to the uh, control booth, and Mr. Uh, Mr. Budwaller, the front of his jacket is all burnt off, uh, and he'll mention that he was just talking with Mr. Zblocknik on the um, on the phone. But he and Lester have a quick chat about their troubles with the magician and the episode. You wanted to see me, Steve? Lester. Well, the only magic I know about is when the lights dim and there's a small gurgle of anticipation as the orchestra begins its overture. I'm going to take that as a no. We got a problem. How so? The great Presidio is a washout. As far as I can ascertain, he thinks he's an auto mechanic. I tried to explain that to Mr. Zablotnik. He's not a magician. He's not anything, Lester. The last time I saw something in that bad shape was being hunted by a diseased wolf. We are trying to do a show featuring magic. The only thing that's going to disappear is my head, your job, and the audience. What are we going to do about it? I feel it's time for something dramatic. Something that'll surprise the audience. Keep their attention. What? I don't know. Right now I've got to go and face Mr. Zablotnik. Somewhere in here, Betty has a chat with uh, the gypsy gentleman who says that he, he may be the great Presidio, but he can't remember, but he had a dream about a dog with a hat on smoking a cigar who's like the dog of remembrance or memory or something like that that'll make him kind of all everything go crazy when he sees him and nicole hears that and arranges um for um betty to have the dog uh, snaps the dog wearing a hat and a cigar and appear at some point during the show hoping to to mess up the great presidio because she has a plan for lester she goes to talk to lester and lester is crying at his desk he's just been delivered a large box and he's crying because um, he found a sheet at the control room that uh, the show, name of the show is going to be changed to The Betty Hudson Show with Lester Guy. So um, she has a chat with uh, Nicole when Nicole shows up in the room as loud as always. Curse you, Betty Hudson! Steady on, girl. We are alone, you know. Lester, this is your chance. So Lester is going to try to learn all the magic he can, learn how to do the Gypsy Traveler trick. And the Gypsy still is unsure of exactly where he is and what's going on. And um, we draw close to uh, the show being on the air. And I, I won't go too far into it because I'll probably spoil it as we go along here. Now I'm trying to um, trying to um, tighten up some of my chatter on some of these, especially when I'm by myself. I find I tend to go on a little longer than I should. It's episode 100. So I thought my episode 1... 100. Yeah, thank you, Dan. I thought I'd turn over a bit of a new leaf-ish, if I could. You've heard the basic plot breakdown. As you might imagine, at the end, things don't go well for Lester and Nicole. 
We do hear a duck throughout the episode. At one point, the uh, the little guy who's the wizard, who I'll mention his name in a minute, he seems to have a duck tucked into his jacket. Um, so we do see the duck. We see the Hurry Up Twins briefly. We see those dancers always dancing. We rarely see them, whatever it is they're dancing for, but we see them dancing. Um, Betty wears a really strange dress with a huge heart on the front of it. And Lester speaks uh, gypsy to the man who might be Presidio and misreads something and tells the gypsy that his teeth are covered with spiders. What I'm going to do is this. I'm actually on Wikipedia. I'm going to go through, dig this. Uh, I'm going to go through character by character and just tell you briefly what they get up to in the episode and how it relates to the other characters, that sort of thing. I'm tr- I don't know if this will make it longer or this will make it shorter. But the episode is, is pretty straightforward as far as they go. I mean, it's a fun episode, uh, as all, all the episodes have been, and it, it benefits from a second viewing uh, when you kind of know what is happening because, again, there's a lot of stuff going on in and around it at all times. So... Um, uh, let me, um, oh, I just saw Nicole run into one of the pipes. I hadn't noticed that before, right before the Great Presidio sees the dog. Um, oh, now she's hiding behind everyone smoking a cigar. Okay, so let's go through. So we start with Lester Guy. And as we know, Lester's big thing in this one is that he's finding out that the show is going to be called The Betty Hudson Show, starring Lester Guy, with Lester Guy. And so um, uh, he's not... Not terribly, terribly happy with that, as you might imagine. Actually, he just spends a lot of uh, time crying. But yeah, he, he, he and Nicole sort of team up to kind of try to make a fool out of Betty, to try to make a fool out of the Great Presidio, and make Lester the best uh, magician there is. Now, of course, it all screws up, and in the end, um, the Great Presidio, spoiler, does become the Great Presidio again. And the first thing he turns, does is turn Nicole into a lizard with Nicole's head. He shrinks down Lester six inches and then sends Lester to Akron, Ohio, which is how it ends, with Lester calling from, like, a tire plant or something like that in Akron, Ohio. So, yeah, Lester doesn't do too well in this, of course, as you know, as you hear from the clips with him in it, he's, he's as amusing as always, and watching him doing his very affected dance at the start of the episode when the stagehands, uh, start of the live show, when the stagehands accidentally roll a, um, the, uh, the, the astral traveler or the gypsy traveler or whatever the heck it's called um magic trick in, in between him and the camera is very funny uh let's see betty betty doesn't do a lot in this episode the, the cold does try to get her you know somewhat humiliated you know by by sending out snaps the dog but they don't realize the snaps will will they they think the the old guy is just kind of a nutty old guy and that he might go sort of crazy or something but it actually makes him the great presidio again and so he becomes the super um, genius guy and um, Betty and Betty is the the only one who's really nice to Presidio having a nice chat with him um, as Nicole's sneaking around in the background with like a, 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 a cart with a clothes wardrobe on it so she doesn't she doesn't actually do much in the episode she looks good as a gypsy gal and she has a big smile in the end which is just is is radiant but she doesn't actually do a whole hell of a lot in this episode here uh, but her presence there um, for Nicole and Lester kind of pushes ahead all the um all the shenanigans they get up to next up we do uh mr bud waller and as i said mr bud waller is um he speaks to the plumber and uh, is able to talk to the plumber and get the plumber to you know break down and cry like i said and then he speaks to lester and uh um he's he's kind of yeah those are the main bud waller related things in this episode you know he's there a bit not fully getting what lester is up to but then in the end when the great presidio appears he's just astounded and and you know is is 100 in it to uh to to win it as it were so uh 
Yes, Bud Waller. Yeah, the, the clips I've given you of what I've already said kind of kind of uh, give up what he's up to. Uh, then there's Nicole. Yeah, Nicole. Like I said, she she sneaks around a bit, finds out what's going on with this this strange old gypsy gentleman. Um, gets uh, Lester these magic tricks, which he he and he learns his magic. He learns his magic, and then what ends up happening is in or in the end is in order to boost um, Lester's confidence as Lester's about to do the 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 absolute astral gypsy traveler trick thing. Um, she she steps into the cabinet uh, just to show Lester how it's done. Unfortunately, the, the lock falls off, or the knob, the handle falls off the cabinet with 10 seconds left before on air. And so Lester runs away to get into place, and the guys wheel the, the cabinet into another spot. And unfortunately, um, the Great Presidio returns while she's still stuck in the cabinet, and she ends up as a lizard with her head on it, as I mentioned. I don't know if the next episode is going to begin with her looking like that, but that's how this one ends. And she does it this way. She hyperventilates in here at one point, and they all kind of like, um, um, they, 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 everyone's counting her, her, her wheezing, and Lester holds up a card because he has a pack of cards that he's been guessing wrong stuff from, and says, you know, he holds up the, a nine, like nine hearts or something like that, and she wheezes nine times. Uh, next up is McGonagall. Yeah, McGonagall basically, you know, he, um, yeah, the plumber yells at him, and then uh, he has some trouble later. He doesn't really do much in this episode. He tries to corral in some people who keep running into pipes, but, um, McGonagall doesn't really do a whole heck of a lot because he's he he does try to call the plumber later on when the water pipes aren't moved and ends up kind of embarrassing himself a little bit more. Um, let's see. Oh oh um oh Mr. Gotchik. Oh played by the great late late great David L. Lander. Uh, rest in peace, sir. Mr. Lander uh, passed away um, about a week or two before uh, I'm recording this episode. And he's he's as hilarious as always in this. Um, and it's it's great now that um. They hit a point where nobody understood what he was saying, um, except for Ruth. And Ruth would, um, they'd look to Ruth for explanation. But now um, uh, Mr. McGonagall is, uh, keeps trying to um, uh, translate what Mr. Gotchik is saying. And usually it comes out, um, I, I forget, at one point Mr. Gotchik says something. There's a pause and McGonagall says something like, if only we had a waterfall. Something completely wrong, but very funny. So it's great to hear him say, he says something about a cinnamon bun too, I think at one point. Um, so McGonagall, uh, Gotchik says it, McGonagall says it wrong, and then Ruth says it right. And Ruth, of course, is here um, translating for Mr. Gotchik and helping uh, the gypsy guy around and helping a magician... Um, uh, magician um, uh, Lester on stage, and she does spot when um, the wizardy guy Bert, his name is Bert, um, when Bert has a duck under his shirt, she spots it. But Ruth is Ruth as always, you know, in charge, and just with a look of trepidation and worry on her face, but she always seems to be taking care of business. Um, then Bert, yeah, we see Bert in this episode. He's dressed as a wizard the whole time. He has a duck under his shirt another time. He does run to the pipe and gets a bandage on his forehead. And Lester tries to do a card trick with him, and it doesn't work. And um, he also tries to do the card trick. He also tries to do something cardy or other with um, Presidio and ends up spraying all the cards in his face, which is funny. Uh, let's see. The Blinky and Mickey... Um, Blinky um, is with his was it Bozeman Bozeman Simplex. He he's the one who sees the Great Presidio for who he is before the Great Presidio becomes who he is. Everyone else is a little worried. Well, is he who he says he is? But the moment um, Blinky walks by him 
he like drops a box he has and he looks at him and he just like he looks at the guy and says we're gonna need some real gypsy music and it's great because he keeps putting on the gypsy music at the right time to help kind of push the episode along so that's cool as uh, as mickey stands by helping him out so it's it's good to see blinky like you all you get the you get the, you get the feeling throughout you know he's always he obviously is seeing more than everyone else is seeing but you don't always doesn't always make sense and this one it makes perfect sense he sees exactly who that guy is and is doing and and kind of knows what he can do to help him get back to get his memory back get get him back to where he i guess he should be um i did forget that uh, mr budwaller does run into a pipe at one point and i also forgot that um nicole does yell this is the episode where she yells at everyone after she's been hyperventilating hyper hyperlenolating <sighs> After she is hyperventilating, she yells at everyone, I'm the head of comedy for this... Ne- Quit laughing at me. I'm the head of comedy for this network. So she is officially the head of comedy for this network. How that happened, I have no idea. Uh, we see Shorty briefly. He almost runs over the dancers in the beginning with a, with a, like a golf cart pulling the, um, the, um, the, the magic trick, the giant cabinet. Um, we see the Hurry Up twins. They, they go by saying, hurry up, hurry up. You hear clonk, clonk as they run into pipes. And then the hurry up, hurry up as they stumble back into frame. Uh, Snaps, of course, yeah, is, um, uh, is, is, is he the dog of, is it the dog of remembrance or the dog of forgetfulness, the dog of transformation? And Snaps, yeah, ends up, um, uh, uh, getting the, um, uh, yeah, wearing a little disguise in the end and helping bring Presidio out. And we do see some members of the American public. We see a family watching. I think we see like a nurse, like in a nursing home or an asylum watching the show. And uh, but that's 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 kind of what what happens in this episode. Um, that's kind of what everyone does and what everyone's reactions are. And um, like I said, it's a good episode. Um, I don't think it's the funniest of them, but it's it definitely has its charms. And it is interesting to see Betty sort of. She's always been kind of the lead, but she's definitely in the background on this one. It's more Lester and then Nicole. And Lester's just so great, um, and he's so smarmy. And it's like he sort of knows what he has to do to try to get himself back on top, as it were. But he's just so affected all the time that he can't quite get there. Nicole tries to help him, but whenever Nicole's help, it, it goes wrong. Um, so I'm just I'm going to stop here. I'm not going to go crazy on this one you you've heard what everyone gets up to what everyone does there's a lot going on in the episode as always and the next one is the final one oh boy i'm nervous you're nervous um the american public never saw it or this one either so there you have it um okay that was on the air that was episode six and now you're going to hear a little music and we are going to have um a new old guest host someone who's been here before will be joining us again to discuss a show that um that I quite like. Listen to this. Here we go, folks. Search time. We're in 1972-73. Leslie Stevens' spy, secret agent-y, good fun show, Search, um, which you um, 
were probably, you know, we were a little, little uh, red flagged uh, about this by the um, lengthy uh, standalone episode covering the TV movie Probe um, that came out a week or so before, a week or two before you're hearing this. And yeah, Search was a, uh, uh, it's a fun show. It's a, it's a show I love. I, 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 say, I say that a lot. But, um, and, and the great uh, Mitchell Hadley is joining me to discuss it so um so please and, and i'll say this again during the discussion but you should go back and listen to the probe uh the standalone um probe episode because the, this is a high concept show and we discuss the high concept pretty heavily in in the the probe discussion and i think here we discuss more of the show itself but you know we're you know we're nuts who knows what we get up to september 13th 1972 that's where we are september 13th 1972 where were you where was I? I was I was safely nestled in a womb. September 13, 1972. The Murrow Disappearance. Uh, this is director uh, is Russ Mayberry, writer is Leslie Stevens. Uh, the star of this was Hugh O'Brien. Uh, why I'm telling you the star when I don't normally do that will make sense to you before you know it. Well, in a few minutes, anyways. So this one, basically, I'm not going to go too in depth into it because these are, these are the Leslie Stevens ones have, have sort of lovely... Um, sometimes almost overcomplicated but but they're they're not they're actually he he does a really wonderful job of putting them together but i'll just say basically uh, there was like a state department guy i don't whatever that means named murrow who has gone who's disappeared and a a government agent like a, a or, or some sort of not even a government agent but like a, a mysterious individual named Saratoga has hired the probe organization to find out where Moreau is and they put Lockwood Hugh O'Brien on the case and I we we've talked before about all the gang back in the in the big room and you if you if you don't know what I mean by that that's why I sent you back to the probe episode but Lockwood is put on the case with his gang back at probe headquarters look uh, keeping an eye on him and he goes to Washington D.C. And he begins to investigate um, this disappearance of this gentleman named Murrow. And it seems to revolve around a sort of um, a, cl- a club, like a like a club for like d- d- like diplomats and, and um, um, uh, uh, um, uh, State Department people and things like that. Where you kind of go and they, you know, you you play cards and you listen to music and and you know they have uh, nice ladies talk to you and. Um, Unless you'd like nice guys talking to you, the nice guys talk to you. They play cards and things like that. And he begins to investigate. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go too crazy on it right here. But that's a, that's big. He's going to find out what the heck happened to Murrow and what it has to do with this um, uh, sort of um, very um, she-she sort of uh, government, uh, not a country club, but club. So let me leave it at that. I'm going to give you a little blast of something. Mitchell and myself will be on the other side, and we'll begin discussing um, search. Let's go, baby. Here we go. The Murrow Disappearance, everyone. Here we go. Search, episode one. Hooray! Brand new old show. And, oh, did you hear Did you hear a cheer? I thought I heard a cheer. That could be our host, our guest host, our super host for search. He's returned to the show after being here when we took an incredibly long trip to New Orleans some time ago, he is Mr. Mitchell Hadley. How are you, sir? I am doing well, Dan. I am glad to be back. How are you? Yay. Doing good. Glad to have you back. Um, 
Oh, and if you haven't heard the Probe Minisode, I would recommend you go and listen to that now. That's the two-hour TV movie that, that preceded Search. And in that, we kind of go over the premise of the show in great detail. And so we're not going to be over doing that again here because we already did that. So so if we talk about stuff and you're like, huh, what are they talking about? Go listen to the thing. Come on, would you please? So, uh, <laughs> oh, and by the way, uh, before we go any further, let uh, let me just uh, take a second to congratulate you in this 100th episode of, of the podcast. I am uh, honored to be part of the 100th Yay, episode, and uh, I'm uh, hoping that you've got a thousand more in mind. I do, I do, I do. Thank you so much. You know, when we started, people said, you know, it, it can't be done, it shouldn't be done, why should it be done? But we did it anyways. And you were you were here for many of the episodes, holy, holy snakes. Um, so, uh, welcome back. Uh, for, for, uh, and um, this is, this is going to be fun. This is a show... Um, this is a show that I really like. Uh, I, I will just say, before I ask you what you thought of the episode, make sure we dive in. There are certain shows that we talk, t- talked about on here, like um, Cliffhangers and Shadow Chasers are shows, uh, short-lived shows that I think more people should discover. Um, but there are also um, shows that um, are, I think are very uneven. Like Cliffhangers gets better as it goes. Shadow Chasers, you'll, you have a great episode followed by a eh kind of thing. But Search... I think is really quite a lovely series. It is one I watch a lot. Uh, I'll pr- I probably watch it, you know, since I discovered it maybe six years ago, seven years ago. I probably wa- I've watched it all the way through at least four times. So I, I think it's it's a show that I really get a kick out of, and it's it's I think it's very entertaining. So they're kind of different variations of shows. You know, there are shows like Bourbon Street Beat that I've never seen before. Shows that I feel I need to talk about, and then shows that I just love. That. I need to go on and on about. Usually I end up doing those, I think, by myself, which is, those go on forever. But I brought someone on board here. And so, Mitchell, The Murrow Disappearance, the first episode of Search, uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I was really ramped up to see this because uh, I I was looking forward to learning more about the little-known moment in history when Edward R. Murrow disappeared, <laughs> and then I found out that it was actually about something else entirely, but instead of being turned off by it at that point, I really got interested in this story um, as, as uh, yeah, a little, little uh, sick humor there, but uh, as... Um, as you mentioned, we're not going to uh, rehash all of the technology here, but suffice it to say, and I mentioned this in the uh, minisode, that what the pilot did was make me want to see more episodes of the series, and it it um, justified that point uh, in this episode as well. It is another episode with Hugh O'Brien in it, so I think from that standpoint it was a smart call have we have we talked yet about the rotating cast on here oh no i was gonna i was gonna save that yeah. we could talk about that now if you'd like yeah why, why you go for it no you please please well, you're the guest this is well thank you no um the 
the premise of of the show, and this goes back to a time in history when you had a very popular concept called the Wheel Series. Mm. And what this meant was that you had a central core of the show, whether it was a premise or a uh, regular group of characters or an institution. But this, this was present in every episode, but you had a rotating lead in the uh, of in, in each episode you had a different star from among a group of 3 or 4 and it worked the same way with series as well the um, NBC Sunday mystery movie was probably one of the yes. best of examples of that this is an example of it where instead of a concept mystery movies we're talking about a show search and an organization that's headed up by Burgess Meredith. But from week to week, we will see different leads. And the three leads in the series are the aforementioned Hugh O'Brien and Tony Francioso and Doug McClure. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Yes, it's it's a solid group. You've got yep. veterans, actors who have done this kind of premise before and what um it adds an extra layer of credibility to the series i think in the sense that you've got this large organization this um this this probe organization and it is very large and it's very effective and it would not be practical to think that they would only have one agent or that you would only be yes. seeing the same agent each time now this has the added benefit of not taxing any of the stars that much because they're going to appear in roughly one-third of the episodes. So it isn't the same grind as if they were in it week after week after week. And perhaps that is a one reason that they were able to build such a good cast of uh, rotating leads. But this, this first episode, I think wisely they gave us uh, a character, Lockwood, played by Hugh O'Brien, that we're familiar with already from the pilot. So this is another one of his adventures. And it is a, um, it's sound, from the sounds of it, from the premise that we're being given at the outset, this is a little different from what they are used to doing. I don't think, although they may not have said it, I can't remember, or if I'm remembering this from something else I've seen or read, but they aren't usually looking for missing people. No, missing no, persons. No. And in this case, this, this is what we have. Um, Murrow, who is uh, an important government official, is missing. And what happened to him? Uh, is he dead? Is Has he become a traitor? Is he... Uh, Something is he being held? We don't know. And the, the probe organization is being asked to look into this. So uh, it's a it's a good premise, and you right away you you know you've got some familiar faces, which I think adds again to the credibility of the episode. You have uh, David White, who you probably would remember as being Darren Stevens' boss <laughs> at Big Witch. And so this is a guy that you already perhaps are prepared to not like. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and, and, and is he a good guy in this or a bad guy? Well, I'm not going to tell you. But he, that's, the, that's one of the important things in this, is that you have to kind of see how it plays out. You have uh, Morris Evans, who you might remember as... Uh, 
uh, Samantha's uh, father in, in Bewitched. Mm. Oh, so yeah. there's definitely a Bewitched tie here. But <laughs> Morris Evans, who uh, was a great Shakespearean actor, did a lot of episodes of the Hallmark Hall of Fame back when its concentration was on classical theater. But he's also very accessible in a show like this. So um, you've got You've got two familiar faces that you know are going to be reliable. And then you have, for your femme fatale in this, you have uh, Capuchin, I believe I'm pronouncing mm, yeah, that name correctly. I think that's yes. right. yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it, it is now, anyway. That's <laughs> the way it's going to be pronounced now. And, um, and so she fits the classic bill, the very attractive, very alluring femme fatale. Is she part of the conspiracy, or isn't she? And as she and Lockwood become involved in the adventure, is she going to save him or is she going to betray him? Is it the lady or the tiger? Mm -hmm. So um, I think that from the standpoint of a story, this is perhaps a little stronger than uh, the pilot. And again, it's probably because they didn't have to explain everything. But you have all of the elements in place. And uh, I think it makes for a good, uh, good episode. Yeah, I, I I mentioned in in the minisode that this was the this is the episode that hooked me and made me want to watch more, and I think it's um I think I think it's really nicely done. I, it's it's one of those episodes like Leslie Stevens writes a good script, and mm-hmm. when you focus on what's happening in the script, it's really nicely laid out and and things are revealed at. at good times and this this happens here and this happens there and it all kind of comes together in the end you're like that was very satisfying but it's also an episode where if you just kind of say okay Lockwood has to find out where this what happened to this guy and just watch events happen that's almost like a James Bond film that's fun too mm-hmm. which is great because I I watched this twice and probably like the sixth and seventh time I've watched this episode to discuss this with you. And the first time I just, I got really comfortable and I watched the episode. And there were a couple points where I was like, okay, I've seen this half a dozen times. Why are they doing this? But then when I was taking notes on it the second time, I was like, oh yeah, that's why they're doing that. So so it's one of those great episodes where if you follow your hero, you're going in the right direction. Regardless of whether or not you may have missed a point or two of what's happening. I mean, who would have thought that, like, after, you know, the this it starts with, a like, a burning warehouse, and then there's some sort of shady government character trying to get him to, in Lockwood and, and Probe to investigate, and then there's car chases, and this is happening, that happens. But, like, who would have thought that, like, the, the big ending is more or less, like, a crooked card game and sneaking around in a really tiny room and hallway, like above the crooked card game. You know, it's, it's one of those things where like, I didn't expect it to go there. I, I didn't expect it to end at that point. And so, and the same thing with the car chase too, in particular, I'll mention because the car chase has a twist to it as well. Yes. In the, when it's revealed who it is, who's, who's chasing Lockwood, Lockwood is chasing somebody. Yes. I think, <laughs> I, I think Lockwood is uh, chasing Morris Evans. And then, then there are a couple of other people chasing him, wow. and and uh, it turns out that uh, the, the the people chasing Lockwood may or may not be the people you would have expected them to be. Mm-hmm. And it's I, I think it's it's really nice, and it's 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 got a real nice pace to it. And again, as with the TV movie, the 
the intercutting between Lockwood on location and everyone in the computer room works really nice mm-hmm. and works too, especially during the sequence where Lockwood is convinced that something is going on at that card game. And they're like, and they're kind of, and the, and the one guy's like combing through all like the radio waves and the ra- and they're all kind of sitting there silently trying to do yes. And it's really, it's really, it's really nicely done, I think. And, um, I've got it playing right here, and I have to bring up... I won't bring it up right here. I'll just say, I think it's a very good first episode mm-hmm. for a show. I think I think it follows up on the promise of the movie, TV movie, quite brilliantly, and it sort of develops some stuff, especially with Angel Tompkins' character, a little bit more. And um, it's, it's really... Um, it, it, it's 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 like there there are certain TV writers whose names you see, like in the seventies or such. Um, I won't I won't you know I won't name names, but there are certain TV writers you see where you're like, okay, this will be decent, or you know this will be a passable good good hour of entertainment. But there are other writers you see. I mean, I would always say look at Rockford Files, Stephen J. Cannell, Juanita Bartlett, David Chase. Yeah, you're in good hands. When you're watching the rock, those are three great writers. But there are other shows where you know, like the writers, you're like, oh, those those guys and gals. Okay, well, this will be fun, not great, but fun. And the thing with Leslie Stevens, I mean, one of the great things here too is the TV movie directed by Russ Mayberry, written by Leslie Stevens. This the same thing. So there's a great continuity. Yep, I was going to mention that too, and I think I think that and having O'Brien as the star in this episode too, I think that really gives it that continuity that is uh, going to be so important to sell the series. And show and shows that they don't they're not always going to go globe trotting. Sometimes mm-hmm. it'll just be within the US. Um, and don't 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 worry folks, they will go globe trotting again. This is this is um this is just, you know, they're just it's going to it's going to be fun. You know, it's like who who knows where they're going to go next. But yeah, yeah I, it's not unlike it's not unlike Mission Impossible in that sure. sense. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's foreign, sometimes it's domestic. Mhm. And uh, yeah, so I, I, I guess I said I, I think it's a, I think it's a fine story. What what else do you uh, what else do you have on this episode? Well, um, I won't go deep into breaking any um, or spoiling any of the uh, resolution, but mm-hmm. I, I want to come back to that uh, car chase for just a moment because it points out one of the great uses of the technology in this series. There, There's this wonderful moment when um, after O'Brien... Yeah, Lockwood confronts the oh, yes, uh, yes. the the people who have been the two guys who have been following him, and when when thanks to the voices back at uh, Probe Control, he's able to tell these two guys who they are mm-hmm. and yes. what they do. And <laughs> yes, it's great. It's a great it, moment. It is. It is worth it just to see their expressions as for no reason whatsoever. He is. Telling them, who, you know, yes. I know who you are and what you are. Yes. <laughs> how do you know our names? How do you know who we work for? What? It's 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 really nicely done, it and and it's it's to the it's the um the efficiency of the gang back at the computers, you, you know, where they're sitting there and it's like they can get those pictures and immediately be like, okay, it's this person, and this, and just send it right back. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, it's a it's a fun scene but make no mistake this isn't a goofy 
played for laughs type of thing. It is it's satisfying as the viewer, and mm. it also is transmitting this message. These guys have got to be standing there thinking, you know, maybe we didn't want to pick on this guy. Yes, this is the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I course, love that. I love that. And yeah. and, and just just prior to that, when he is uh, when he's confronting the two, uh, well, let's say when he's about ready to beat the crap out of one of them, <laughs> and Burgess Meredith is telling him something to the effect of, and please try to do this without uh, an excess of mayhem. <laughs> yes, <you know? laughs> yes, yes, yes. And again, that that tells you more about the backstory of the character and of their relationship mm-hmm, than mm-hmm. Uh, than you need uh, than if you had to play it out and everything. You already, for just from that line, get the idea of the kind of uh, of, of guy Lockwood can be. Yes. Yeah, uh, and the, oh, I'm sorry. And I just say I like that. Yeah, me, me too. There is the the thing where the the we we forgot to mention in the previous in the TV movie it starts off with one of those things where uh, Lockwood's on vacation and he's called up to do whatever it is yeah. and and this has like with him they're being called in to do this because it's the special thing from this government Saratoga undercover thing so you know you know Lockwood is he knows his stuff and he's good at this and everyone likes him and likes working with him I mean he's, he's like he's you know a, a co-worker who just happens to be the co-worker who, you know while you're sitting at your desk he goes out there and gets in car chases and makes out with you know lovely ladies and and beats up guys Hey. And he's and he's the kind of guy too, you who um, instills that sort of feeling among the people at I think at least at at, at probe control. Now his relationship with with Gloria with Angel Tompkins' <laughs> character, I I there's something there, but it's kind of hard to tell if it's gone beyond uh, flirtatious banter. I think that's yes. what you call it now. Uh, well, you call it <laughs> harassment now, but I, that, she she gives as well as she takes. She's right there, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I, I don't have any problem with that, and I don't mean to suggest anybody will be offended by it. You won't. No, no, like no, 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 no. <laughs> but, but, but I think that, that Hugh O'Brien's plays his hero in such a way that the the uh, technicians back at control are thinking they you like know yeah. yeah they do this guy is out there he's putting his life on the line in dangerous situations we got to see him through this mm-hmm. we we've got to get here we got to get him through this kind of thing whatever he needs whatever he wants he's the one who's doing it while we're back here safe and sound in our control we're going to go all out for him do it yes yeah mm-hmm. and i and I like because he's got a, he's got a real charm to him when he's in there, and you could tell just the way he talks to everyone and acknowledges everyone. He's like, "Hey, gang, how, you know how you doing? You know, um, you know, I'll be out there and let's uh, let's do our best and let let uh, let's try not to see me get killed." No, he's not Lockwood ain't gonna get killed. No, uh, no, 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 no. He's um, Hugh O'Brien. For heaven's sake, yes. come on, yes, yes. So, so, uh, so, I'd like to talk about just Angel Tompkins' character in this real quick, um, because in the previous episode, uh, well, in the TV movie, there's a moment, and I'm not going to call this a spoiler since we're not talking about that here. Yes. But there's a moment in the end where Lockwood discovers something, and I forget. There's a bunch of twists right near the end, and I forget. I think this is two twists away from the end, maybe three. Um, and he calls, he says something like, all right, well, you know, um, Cameron Bur- Burgess Meredith, you know, I'm just going to, um, you know, uh, I guess w- this is like, a, he says very casually that it's a code 10 and, yes. um, 
and uh, and there are some people. I, th- I think Streeter, uh, uh, John Gielgud's character, is in there too. I think at the time, this is Code Ten, and and Cameron kind of says, "All right, everyone, will you take off?" Code Ten. That means he's he's shutting it down, and we're not gonna. He needs a, we need a new probe to come in, and he doesn't want to do this anymore. And I was like, "Oh, that's too bad." And they leave, shut the doors, and the moment the door shuts, Burgess Meredith sits down and said, "Okay, Code Ten means you know." It's only me and you. I cleared the room. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And this one has a moment at the beginning where there's okay. This note, this this um, video message from Saratoga about missing Murrow is code ten. And they're like, okay, everyone, get out of here. But then Gloria uh, won't leave. And um, he remind uh, he reminds her. Burgess Meredith reminds her what a code ten means. Yes, yes, and she, and you know that she knows exactly what it means because you can tell from her face, and it's great. And it's great because she says basically that um, they, they're, you know, they're working on some new um, um, on-the-job training and things like that at Probe, and she had a meeting with one of the executives, and they want her to sort of sit. I guess, I guess, to train to be like a supervisor or whatever it is, a coordinator, controller, whatever it is, Cameron does, sort of thing. And and I love it because uh, she's like, oh, watch this. And she like pushes a button and like the head of probe control shows up and says, <laughs> you know, we've got um, we've got this brand new training program we're using. So right now uh, authorized for code 10, you know, are these um, agents and it's like uh, Harding, Gloria, that is all. And he turns it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that what that what it left unsaid was just wonderful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the look the look on Lockwood's face is great, and Gloria mm-hmm. has her the beautiful Angel Tom could smile on. And the thing I love about Cameron is that when Cameron first sees it, he thinks maybe like, "What are you doing? You know, don't this you know maybe being a little insubordinate or something." But the moment she tells him and he sees the message, he's like. Okay, let's watch it. Here we go. And he hits the button and they watch it. Yep. And he's like, you know, he's he's very affable and and malleable and amiable and he's able to do his his job and he's uh he's great. I mean, I I would love to see an episode with those three going on yes. an adventure together. Totally um, totally unflappable. And you know you know if this was a uh, a series of books like the Ellery Queen mysteries sure. or something, you would like to see a book just about the characters yes. in control without any you of got, the agents just to see them. You just, yeah, you just got to have yeah, just one episode where maybe the fo- yeah, the focus is more on them having something happen or I don't know. I'd even watch them just have a fun Christmas party, and you know, yeah. may, maybe um, pranking Lockwood or something, making him think he's going on like a um, a crazy journey, and then they have a surprise party set up for him. Oh, yeah, that's fun. That would be fun, huh? Yeah. Like we set up a surprise birthday party for Lockwood, and they they think it's going to be he's going somewhere really terrible, but then when he throws open the surprise, yeah. and they're, they're back at the computer. <laughs> I don't know, but but there it's it's a. I think the thing I love about that opening is that. You know, you get, it starts off with the, the 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 burning of the building, and I believe the Murrow's wife is in had dies in the um in the in the the mm-hmm. warehouse fire, and he's gone missing. It's like okay, this is a big thing. It's a code ten. But then before we get the actual sort of here's what you got to do, Lockwood, we get this lovely. I don't want to call it a full on comedy. It's more a character scene that has some comedy in it, and it's yeah. just this lovely scene that sets it up and it makes you. And makes you like everyone a bit more. 
and it flushes things out a little more. Yes. And, um, you know, I, it, 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 more Angel Tompkins is good, I think. So yes. any, any way you can uh, manipulate things or create a situation where you're going to have her sitting in on more of this, I think, I think this is good. And I, because I think her <laughs> character is interesting and, mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that she, to, to allow her the opportunity to contribute more to it, I think is all to the advantage of the plot. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, uh, now what, what else, what else, what else do you have on this one? Well, I think, I think I pretty much said Mm. what I was thinking. I would, uh, I would say that, uh, once again, the, the ending is, is satisfying, Yes. The we're not going to give it away, but the 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 ending is satisfying. Uh, you know that um, ultimately Lockwood comes across very forcefully in this kind of a thing, uh, and you you find out is as as if you needed to be reminded the villain in this becomes just another in what you suspect is a long line of people who did not take Lockwood seriously enough quickly enough yes and that doesn't mean that they necessarily underestimate him but it does mean that they have underestimated the threat that he poses Mm -hmm. and they have overestimated their ability to be able to get rid of him Mm -hmm. and i think that makes again uh for a, a a um a central character that you can really root for Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a good hero, and he he's got that gang behind him in the room. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I think it's it's um it's a really good first episode. I'm so glad Leslie Stevens wrote it because you, mm-hmm. you get so, you get so many shows where like you know the creator will maybe write the pilot or whatever, but then when it gets to the first regular episode, the creator's like long gone, and other people are writing it. Yep. And here's a just a just a quick look ahead, and I'm not I'm only saying this to reinforce what you just said, but looking at the next couple of episodes, the next episode will introduce Tony Franciosa's character. Yes. The episode yes. after that will introduce Doug McClure's character. And although they have different directors, Russ Mayberry is not directing those episodes, but Leslie Stevens did write them. And yes. so we're going to see all three of our central heroes in, as envisioned by the creator of the series. And I think that is very important too. It's it's also perhaps obvious, but I think it's important nonetheless. I th- I think it's it's like n- nowadays it would be more um more sort of obvious I, I mm-hmm. think um but back then um I, I I love I mean I think that was one of the things when I first started watching this is is when I just like I thought I'd love it if he wrote every episode he doesn't write every episode but I will say and I I don't mean to be, this to be a spoiler but I think a lot of the writers they bring on are pretty darn good at continuing mm-hmm. what what he has created. Um, which I like. I would so, like um, to see the show's Bible sometime. Uh, oh, I would have yeah. liked to have seen how what he established for the characters and how they needed to be depicted and what the scope mm-hmm. of the stories could be. I think that would have been uh, quite interesting to read his uh, descriptions, which he almost certainly wrote for the benefit yes. of writers to come after him. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I will say, I, did, I didn't mean this... For this to happen, but I know when W. Hermanos took over Burma's <laughs> yeah. the episode splintered off almost in this same sort of form. 
I was going to mention him at some point when we were talking about writers. But. Yeah, yeah, the uh, because yeah, as Bur- Burba Street when Burba Street be- began, um, you would have some where you know Rex and Cal were combined, but most of them one took the lead and the other one was secondary. But then when you got to the end of the writer strike hit, you generally generally what it was is you got Rex in one and then like Cal and Kenny in another. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, that was too bad that that happened there because. I always liked it more when they were all sort of working in tandem as much as they could. Mm-hmm. But they did do 39 episodes in one year, a 39 hour long episodes, and that is a lot. It is to do. That um, is a haul. Uh, but but this <laughs> this very specifically the the team at the computer room will will vary here and there. But Burgess Meredith will always be here. Mm-hmm. But when when the other probes take over, you know, Hugh O'Brien has the week off. So so it won't be uh, as far as I remember. They won't be you know. And 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 the joy of it, as we'll see as we go through the weeks, is that each one of them brings their a different style to it. So each one of them has a different. You know, the stories are all very similar ish. Um, well, in this in this genre, but the way they handle themselves are very different. I mean, you can almost imagine exactly how Tony Franciosa is going to handle himself. And Doug McClure, you might be able to. Um, I, I'm just thinking that Doug McClure had just done nine years on The Virginian. So he's not quite going to trampus it. <laughs> but um, but but it, it'll be fun to see because mm-hmm. then when, when the show gets rolling... And it, it, that, that's the thing is, once all three of them, all three of them are introduced and the show gets rolling, I think all three of them, spoiler, are really good in in their roles. And so it's like, who's it going to be this week? And it's and you never know. Uh, and it and you just see that thing at the beginning. This week it's Hugh O'Brien, you know this, and it's and it's that's one of the fun things with the show is that not only does it keep things moving pretty darn good throughout the season, but I think. Um, the variation in the lead characters gives us a different way that the probes do their thing. And, and you bring in a different probe to do something different. And um, I, th- I think it'll be really fun when we get into when, when all the guys start showing up. Well, and I think that putting myself, <clears throat> excuse me, putting myself in the uh, place of the uh, viewer of the time too, mm-hmm. having, having said about the pilot that it made me want to see more now that I've seen the first episode with Hugh O'Brien uh, of in the regular series, I want to see Tony Franciosa. Then I want to yes. see Doug McClure, and then I'm going to want to see each one of them again to see if they are as good as they were when I first saw them, or if, or perhaps <laughs> yes. if, if one of them hit me the wrong way, I'll want to see. Well, oh, maybe this one will be better. But but what they have done for me as a viewer, they have guaranteed that I'm going to watch at least six episodes of the series, <laughs> and that's uh, so so um, that that's a br- brilliant idea. And it's too bad that the series did not get off to a big start in the writings yes, because. That's too bad. If you liked if you liked the the pilot, you're virtually guaranteed that you're going to watch the first six episodes just to see each of the three leads a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I. Yeah. I. Well, I'll, I'll talk. I, I won't talk. I won't project too far into the future on the show right now. We'll <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap this up because I could talk for. This is one of those shows I could talk for another another half hour on. But I, I just want to say um, two more things. One, there there are a few moments that that car chase takes place at night 
which is cool because most car chases on TV shows take place during the day. Mm -hmm. At night is obviously much more expensive and more dangerous. Um, But there are a few moments in there where I could swear that they that they're driving through like the Hollywood Bowl parking lots or something. I I can't say for certain, but it looks or the Greek theater up in Los Feliz because. no, you're, I know what you're saying. I'm not familiar with those two places to identify them, but I but know they, the feeling you're talking about. Like a concert, like a concert, like a stadium or a, or a or a theater, a big theater park, where there's one point where they're like driving along the road, and then suddenly one of the cars like goes to the left, like into the background, and suddenly there's this huge parking lot that just goes on for ages and ages, and there's nothing there. You, you know, it's not like, there isn't like a supermarket or something. And they're like, what the hell is that parking lot there for? Oh, it must be like a concert hall or a stadium or like the Hollywood Bowl. It looked to me like the um, parking lot for the, like I said, the Greek theater in Los Feliz, which I've only been to a couple times. But it's just like as you approach the theater, there are just these kind of going up a hill. There are just these long stretches of parking lots that look like that. And then you just kind of either get in a shuttle or walk up the rest of the hill. Kind of, you know, concert concert um, venue kind of mm-hmm. things, but but that's what it looks like to me that they're using. It's the middle of the night and they're using like, um, you know, I I always just wonder with L.A. It's like, um, but we want to do a night shoot car chase. Can we go to you know? Can we go you know um, to uh, into Hollywood? No, no, you can't go into Hollywood because um, uh, they're shooting a cannon car chase in there. Oh, <laughs> can we go down to Santa Monica. Oh, I think Beretta's down there. Well, what about Los Feliz? You're great. Go down there. Okay. We're doing that. Is Banachek going to be there? No, come on. Let us down there. Jeez. And so I was wondering how they used to do that because there must have been times where it was like, you know, we've been trying to find a spot, but every other cop detective show has Rockford has taken up half the friggin' San Fernando Valley driving around. We can't get anything done. <laughs> so I, I'd love to know what the scheduling was like there, you know. Uh, but, but having said that, um, I got one more thing and then. Um, uh, and that is um, that on when when this was on Warner Archive Instant, um, one of the great things about Warner Archive Instant was that a lot of stuff on there was high def. So you would think see things like Beyond Westworld. Who cares about Beyond Westworld? Well, I covered it on the show a long time ago, but that was high def. So you're watching the show. They made five episodes. It got canceled after three, but you're watching it and it looks gorgeous. You know, I recently watched, you no, know, I watched, say, like some Canon on DVD. Mm-hmm. The, Canon, the Canon DVDs look okay, but they don't look gorgeous. No, they don't. And that's, uh, Canon, Canon ran for five success, five, five, five years, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I believe five successful years. Beyond Westworld got canceled after three episodes. And when I was watching it to review it for this podcast, it looked gorgeous. And one of the, the thing with Search is that Search was on the site in high def but probe wasn't hmm. and i don't know i don't know if you noticed but i would say if the like watch throw in the probe dvd and watch like a like a first scene or two in the computer room and then watch the opening scene with like um lockwood like leaning against the front computer as they're watching the fire burning and and the murrow murrow disappearance and you can see, I mean, obviously you're not getting high def on the DVD, but a high def print is going to look much better yeah. on a DVD than an old video print. 
and you can see like the you can see a lot of detail on the seats and the computer consoles and the things in the computer room in the search episode that you can't see in the probe. Interesting. Why? I'll have to go back and look at that because I did notice in 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 um the in uh, the pilot the 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 richness and crispness of the image. Mm. Uh, and um, you know, I mean, compared to as you yeah. as you suggest, Canon. And no, it, I, it does it does look good. Yeah, I think the yeah. DVD does. Yeah, but but go go back and like look at look at like the um like the card room that they mm-hmm. play in, and look at sort of the detail on the walls and the floors and things like that. Again, it's not high def because it's a DVD. Um, but if if you're playing it through a uh, Blu-ray player into a uh, you know a, a, a TV, um, you know you're gonna you it's it looks, it does look, probe, the probe movie looks nice, but then when you pop in search, I can always see the jump in the quality. Mm. And I wish, I kind of wish they had done the search on Blu-ray, too. I would have bought it. Yeah, um, that would have um, been a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. So, but but that's just the last thing I have to say. If, if you folks are out there watching it, um, uh, tell me, tell me if I'm wrong or not. I don't think I am. I think everyone, every everyone looks sort of crisper, and the backgrounds, there's more depth and everything. But um, I could, I could be horribly wrong, but I don't think I am. Maybe I am, Mitchell. I'm going to stop being wrong. I'm going to get. Do you, do, you, do, you have, do you have anything else on this one? Or if not, um, where can we find you online? Um, you can find me at itsabouttv.com. Uh, the classic TV and American culture website. You can find me in my book, The Electronic Mirror, which you can uh, find out about at itsabouttv.com. Excellent. Thank you so much uh, again for joining me. We got, uh, we got, I think we got a fun journey ahead of us here. I'm looking forward to it. It's always a pleasure. Dan. With this, yes, same. Uh, so, yeah, next up uh, for this show will be uh, one of our probes is missing. Ouch. Uh, and this will be the... Uh, <laughs> And this will be the uh, this will be the first one with Tony Franciosa, so we can see a bit of a difference. Uh, and oh, I, there is something. No, I'm not going to talk about it here. It's cliffhanger. What the heck am I going to talk about next time? It's episode 100. Everyone, listen to this. And thank you for listening, everyone. That was episode 100. I'm pretty certain we've got another hundred uh, left in us if the uh, fates allow, as it were. We certainly have enough uh, short-lived TV shows to do that. So. Um, geez, I was going to just do a long list and name all the shows that we've covered from cliffhangers to search. Um, but I decided not to. I decided um, that I'm going to let you guys all, all get on with your business. If you're listening to this right before Christmas and the holidays, around the holidays, um, then go back to your celebrating. Uh, if you listen to this any other time, uh, be good yourself. I hope you're safe. I hope you're well. And thank you again so much for listening. Episode 100 is in the can. Listen to this.